Hello and welcome back to Pop Culture Yearbook. On this show, we pick pieces of pop culture that were important to us in a given year. We then discuss memories and dig into those movies, albums, shows, and more. This is 2009 Part 2. I'm Brad. I'm Pete. And I'm Dave. And we are uh, excited again to have Dave back here. And this is going to be um, another special episode, but special in the fact that it's going to be on some content that's much different from what we usually talk about. But very important to us here. So, Dave, why don't you tell us what you chose for tonight? All right. Yeah. So, uh, tonight we're going to be discussing the 2009 Vikings. And for That's any Vikings fans, Vikings to the layperson. Yes. It sounds well, sounds like a depressing so. topic to us Minnesota guys. <laughs> well, so for any Minnesota Vikings fans, you'll know what that year is. Uh, for non Vikings fans, this was just uh, part of the reason I picked this. This wasn't just any any year, any team. This was kind of a one-of-a-kind deal. And really, from what I can think of in modern sports, I can't think of another uh, a, a parallel situation. And so, you know, in 2009, we were a pretty good team in 2008. But in 2009, we got... What were we lacking, though, more than anything? Well, and what if we lacked for most of Basically our times? It was a quarterback, right? A quarterback. A quarterback. And so we got... We and and not did we not only did we get a future Hall of Fame quarterback, but we got the quarterback from our our most fierce rival, Brett Favre. So Brett Favre comes to town, um, and again, I just thought about that. Like, there's been big players that have moved from team to team, but I can't think of any player that went to their main rival and then took them as far as Favre did, and obviously. Since we live in Minnesota, we had to get used to how this season was would end, and we'll get to that. Um, the one, actually, if I could tag on to that, the one that does yeah. come to mind being a Minnesota fan, um, but it's not even anywhere close in the same in the same vicinity. Uh, but Jim Tomey coming to the Twins could be compared because he was a a thorn in our side as Twins fans, right. and then he comes to Minnesota and. Uh, uh, and he had that had, awesome had season. He has that awesome yeah, season. Stadium, so and yeah. that awesome home run against the White Sox, which was his old team, one of his old teams. Who switched? So, you know, Alex Rodriguez, it was the Red Sox and Yankees both wanted him, right? Yeah. yeah. When he signed with the Yankees. And there was a whole thing there. And But then the Yankees, who... Jacoby Ellsbury, did he switch? It's not as big of a player. Johnny Damon... Switch. But there's Johnny been a couple then, yeah. there, not on the level of Favre, though. But, but that's I mean, as far as a yeah. when you're talking a about switch that maybe would be somewhat similar. I, I think you know things have changed obviously with the modern NFL. But I think back in Favre's heyday, you know Favre was cracking top five all-time quarterback conversations. I don't think he would he would be up there anymore. But that's the thing is is such an important position. You know, before we started recording, I mentioned Charles Barkley. Like, that's a good example of a big-time name, an all-time guy that went to another team and took them far. But that was going from the 76ers to the Phoenix Suns. And so, you know, there wasn't the – if you're a Suns fan, you were happy you got him. But there wasn't that – I mean, that that's the thing is what made this, this, this season so much more tasty and delicious was just knowing – that that right across the border in Wisconsin, you had 
tons of people just losing their minds. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's what I want to get to here real quick with our initial discussion. And we can, we can say a little bit about, you know, obviously we're all lifelong Vikings fans. I'll just say like, if I think about big memories for me, um, you know, it would go to uh, my first game. You know, my dad got me tickets. We went to the Metrodome. It was a game against the Steelers. Um, you know, it was, it was the whole family we went, but, uh, it was Hassan Jones's rookie year and he caught three touchdowns in that game. You know what? I remember and, that game. Well, and I remember, I remember walking in the, in the tunnels of the Metrodome. I'd already been to a twins game with my dad, but I was, we, it was before the game. So they were warming up and I could look through the tunnels and see the punters, like how high the, the warmup punts were going and just thinking, that it was just, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, so I, I've been a lifelong fan. I mean, I my think first, that it's, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. My first game was also against the Steelers, but it was a preseason game. So, but at the age I was, it was like in 1983 or something. Like, I thought that was so great. I even wrote like the score on my ticket when I got home. Like I, because of preseason back then as a kid was meaningful, like, Oh my God, we won the game. So that was my first game. And like my first memories go back to like, the end of Bud Grant, like I can barely remember it. So, but I remember the Les Steckel year that was so bad. Yep. And yep. then shortly after mm -hmm. that, that's when like I can tell you, I mean, you can name a specific game from 1985 to 1990, and I can remember most of those games. It's crazy how they stick in my head, and how obsessed I was with them as a kid. Well, and to me, that's that's just one thing, and and I'll I'll get moving on 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 Favre and how I felt about him of. But that, you know, there's so many things family and friends wise that kind of have brought things together with me when it comes to the Vikings. And, you know, if I think about like Mandy, my sister is a season ticket holder. We go to games once in a while. Jenny, Jenny would go with me when when we had season tickets for a while. And, um, you know, it was something that my dad wasn't a huge sports guy, but that was, you know, but we would watch Vikings games together. Um, you know, obviously my mom too, but like my father-in-law is a big Vikings fan. So we, we bond over that. Um, and then obviously, you know, we're, we're going to get in talking about some of the, you know, great teams from our adult lives. And, you know, that I, I think about the years before we had kids and we were all getting together for games and stuff like that. And every week just, we got together. Mm -hmm. it well, was, and that's the thing is I just religiously. Yeah, there's just so many, so many great memories wrapped up into that. So the Vikings are important to me, but to me, this season's just so unique. One thing is, like you said, Brad, we we always, it always just seemed like we're always one player away, and for the most part, that has always been one quarterback away. But yeah, that even goes back though to the '80s, where it was a running back, and we made the Herschel worst Walker. trade in the history of sports, and that's where things yep. really started going downhill. As a fan, as a kid, understanding that this is a cursed franchise, and we should stop watching <laughs> them now. And, and, years and later, we never did. We're still doing it. So, yeah, so I and I'm going to talk about something Jenny gave me later, but I, I, I did have I did have a hatred for Favre that you could like sprinkle onto cupcakes, yes, man. Did. It was it was yeah. I hated him. But but and, and it's different because now I have people ask me, well, what, would you want Rogers on your team now? No, I wouldn't. I have from day one thought Rogers was an arrogant dink and. For me, with Favre, he what drove me nearly as fun as Brett Favre was. No, and that and that's the thing, and and I'll get into that because I watched footage from every game, 
Favre was just different. And so the way I look at it, you know, they always do the gunslinger thing or say he's like John Wayne. But I do. And one of my closing stories is I do think he's like that. And and when he would drive me nuts and, you know, Antonio Freeman would catch a ball that was rolling around on Chris Dishman's chest on Monday Night Football. Watch like, that yeah. one in your apartment. That that stuff just happened all the time. And it was like you just felt like Favre had a magic to him. And and I couldn't wait to get that here. Right. It, it, of as much as I hated him there, I knew I would love him when he was here and it and it delivered. And and we'll get into kind of the dynamics of the season. But but pretty early, you know, it was all right. We're on Mr. Toad's wild ride. And and I was I was excited. And, and the only other thing I'll say is I did think it would work. And the reason was in 2008 with Tavares Jackson as our quarterback, we made the playoffs. We lost to the Eagles. But we were a pretty good team. And so we were not, we were very close. And and the one thing I forgot watching these highlights, we'll get into some of it, but the defense, man, there were some ballers on that. Get some good players. Yeah, that defense was was great, which separates it from the other team that we all remember is the 98 team, which, I mean, if you Uh, put that defense on, you know, but I would say there's some very big similarities on those defenses. So I'd say well, that from the, the secondary, the 2009 was, was probably a better overall defense, but the 98 yeah, was, yeah. they were average. They were good the, enough. The but, secondary but had, was suspect. Yeah. They had some real impact players though. They got the number one guy from my Mount Rushmore. So we'll, but we'll I get, think, I, I think that uh, the night just on, uh, on a tangent a little bit, but the um, but the '98 team, um, God, what was I? I totally lost my train of thought. There. Something about God. the defense that they would be a better team, but that that the defense on this one was better. No, that's not what no. I was going to say at all. Well, let's it just talking. totally so let's, it'll come back to you, or we're going to talk about that at the end of the show. So maybe it'll come back to you then. <laughs> so, so let's do this though, because my my no, initial no, I, I got it now. I got it. Okay. What I was going to say is that there was a lot of problems on that '98 defense that were hidden by the fact that the offense was so great. Yes, sure. There you go. I'm glad I'll, I. I'll buy that. What a great home. point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so my initial question, and again, I want to, I want to separate this conversation out into four quarters, right? So before we start the the first quarter, that was the question I posed to you guys was, how did you feel about Favre? And did you think it was going to work? A lot. I was just going to say a lot of those great memories that we all have of watching these games together were accentuated by Brett Favre when he was with the Packers in a sense that we all just hated him so much. We loved to see him just get destroyed and um, everything like that. And I would watch, um, I, I, I used to really enjoy watching Packers games to watch Brett Favre and to, you know, whoever was playing against him. He, he, he was fun to watch. I always, Hated him as a rival, but you respected his game and like what he did. And um, it, there, there's like an under, like an undercurrent to it. It's like you, you just respect. That's part of the reason that you love football was people like Favre and that he was such a great rival, a great person to hate. 
And then and and then the fact that when he did come over, I was super excited because of the way that he was totally just looking to screw over the Packers as much as he could. Um, and so which which we're all on board with. And so I was super excited when uh, when he was able to come because it had been kind of building up for a year because he wanted to come to Minnesota that first year. But he was under contract, so he had to go to the Jets. He got traded yep. to the Jets. And the Packers even put that poison pill in the trade to say that uh, if the Jets traded him to Minnesota, they would have to give up three first-round picks. Remember that? And, and so. I, think it was an, I think it was any NFC North team because the other team that, that he wanted to go to to stick it to the Packers was the Bears. The Bears. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was specifically yeah, the Vikings. You're with the Jets. I, because it, it wasn't nearly obviously as good as with us. But if I so if I remember right, did he have like a great half a season and did he get he, hurt? He, he did had great a, up until about week twelve. Yeah. They were a playoff team. And then did he get hurt after, or did it he, just kind of go or well, so he never lost the Iron Man streak, right? Because right, the Iron okay. Man streak went all the way up to his last game. But what he did is he tore a tendon in his bicep. Yeah, that yes. was, so he, was, that was that. he was that was the so question. Much. That was that was, that was the main concern. Minnesota. What did he have left in the tank? Because he looked really bad that last month of the season before. Well, but I can get when he was with the Jets, he had one game where he threw like what was it, like seven touchdown passes or six touchdown passes in one game? Like he broke a record for touchdown passes. I don't remember that at all. Probably rode off on a horse. Well, I remember because I had him on my fantasy football team on oh, the bench. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> But on well, the bench, of course. So we're um, speaking of that injury. So I don't. You guys are pretty excited. My feelings were I was extremely skeptical. I thought this guy's way too old. He's coming off this injury. Why does thought, this not surprise me? By the well, way, <laughs> but well, okay. No, we're I'm the bike. We've been through it before. All we That's do is, is sign. Pete and I are are more willing to drink the Kool Aid than yeah. You. That's that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've been through Jim McMahon, Warren Moon, Randall Cunningham, Jeff George. I mean, that's all we do is sign old stopgap quarterbacks. Then we finally got a young one in Culpepper. He gets hurt and has a career-ending injury, basically, and and we're back to just stuck. Yeah. So I was excited in the fact that like you said like he genuinely seemed to want to come here to stick to the Packers so that was cool like okay but I was definitely um skeptical I didn't think he was going to be very good and I, I kind of envisioned it more like the next year which I saw that coming a mile away um and I was intrigued you know and they were a pretty good team so I was somewhat hopeful but I just, I certainly didn't see the year coming that we had. I thought it would be more of a typical Vikings yeah. season that we were used to. So, yeah, I think we were. Which is maybe why, because of... I had been so beaten down by this team for so many years. Maybe that's why I bought in this year so much. By the end of the year, I was like number one fan again, probably because I didn't expect much. And I bought in throughout the year. And it's like, here we go. This is it. This is like, this is fate. It's actually going to happen this time. And then. Oh, oh no, they're going to tear your heart out worse than they ever have before. And oh. that's that. And just, just wait till thinking, we get to that. Just wait till the end. I just remember uh, thinking a few games into it, uh, it, it wasn't very long, maybe three or four games, where I was just like, 
you know, I watched Brett Favre play for how many years before that? So it was not new, but seeing it through a different lens when he's actually on your team and with this team that had never had a real well, quarterback in my life, it was like, whoa, something's different with this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, well, so he let's, is ridiculously I think Dave's good. getting to that part. Yeah, let's jump okay. into quarter one. And there, there's a okay. reason I put, there's a reason I put, like, the cutoffs on each of these quarters. So here's quarter All right. We start out three and zero, and here are the here are the games and the scores. But then I'm going to get into why this is the first quarter. So we start out against the Browns. We uh, um, so we beat the Browns thirty four to twenty. There was a Viking on Sports Illustrated's cover that week. Do you Adrian know who Peterson? Because he had incredible runs. Yep, the Dominator, and it was this. It was this. Uh, it was a sixty four yard run where he basically. Yeah, stiff arm the guy. He stopped running, restarted. I it was on that, and okay. I watched. Me and Pete both ended up watching yep. the same yearbook highlight video, and that play was on there, and that was something to see again. Cool. Can I, I think we also got a touch? Oh, go ahead. The other thing I noticed watching that video, which is unfortunate about this season, those uniforms were probably the sickest, worst Vikings uniforms we've ever had. <laughs> I couldn't remember. How, I I couldn't believe it well, watching it. How bad couple- they were. A couple of different weeks, including a, a game against the Packers on Monday night, they they wore old school ones. Which I know, and those looked so great. And which they was just fun to watch. They keep farting around with these uniforms every year, and I feel those, like they're okay again now. But the, through the two thousands, they went through a stretch of. They just, looked almost like like they could be interchangeable with like the Rams or something. I know it's terrible. I I just it struck me because I don't remember hating their uniforms that much ever specifically, but those were bad. So, so, okay, so you got Browns 34 to 20. Then you beat the Lions. By the way, on that game, before you get off it, I think Percy had a, uh, had a touchdown too, didn't he? Well, um, I'll have to look that at Percy. that. So, I, so, I say it. That's how, that's how far you say it. Percy. I told Percy. <laughs> uh, second week, we beat the Lions 27-13, right? So we're 2-0. and Then we beat the 49ers 27-24. Now I'm going to go back real quick. Brad, you said you were worried that old man Favre's coming to town and it's just another retread stopgap. I couldn't have been more excited, which also equated to I couldn't have been more underwhelmed after two weeks. We're 2-0, yeah. and oh, but here's his stat lines in both games. Favre goes against the Browns for 110 yards and one TD. And then against the Lions, he goes for 155 yards and two TDs. Now... Neither game, neither game was necessarily close, but we also beat the Brady Quinn-led Browns. Yeah, they were bad teams. He didn't have to do yeah. anything. Right, right. But, yeah, it and wasn't you had, like, oh, my God, look at this guy leading. You got, yeah. you got big leads, and you got Adrian Peterson, so you just hand the ball off and seal the game. That's all you had to do in those ones. So a couple, so just, you know, a couple of things in that Lions game, though. Um, you know, so one other trend that happened during the year that was worth tracking is Adrian has his first fumble that he loses. And uh, and and then the other the other thing, though, and this this kind of goes to we'll get to the the next week is where I feel like that's the first natural cutoff of what see what kind of a season we're dealing with. But Favre was mic'd up for this game in Detroit and they're in Detroit. And so there's all this footage in the little compressed game of Favre running around beforehand, slapping people on the butt and, you know, doing all this. And he just just doing his Favre thing, right? And again, 
that's the fundamental difference of how I see Favre versus Rodgers is that, you know, when it's when he's on the other team, you could probably find that kind of annoying. But the guy was amusing. He was he was fun to watch. Right. And just kind of like mm-hmm. the kind of guy you knew his teammates probably loved him, um, which I don't feel that way about a Raj. No. Um, but then. But then, so in week three, we're playing the 49ers. 49ers were okay that year, but they were led by Sean Hill. Which Yeah, I noticed gross. that in the uh, highlights, Sean Hill. Yeah, but Favre, obviously, you know, he has a better game this time. He's 301, two TDs, and an INT. He has his first hookup with, with Sidney Rice, who had a monster year that year. But obviously, the reason I'm picking this as like our kind of cutoff for the end of the first quarter is... We all know how that game ended. And 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 right before that, the the kind of the miracle play right at the end, right before that, Favre threw a ball that went right into the chest of one of the 49ers defenders. Oh, so so we, we get away with, you know, we get away with a close call. And then, and I looked it up. We're third and three from the 33-yard line. And, and there's, you know, a handful of seconds left. 12 seconds, I think it was, they said. Yeah. And and he rolls around, he avoids, you know, he kind of stiff arms the guy, he's rolling out, and he just throws a desperation pass to the back of the end zone. And Greg Lewis, on the first play he's in the game, all game, because they had just signed him, makes like a circus catch at the end. And I just remember, barely gets the toes down. Yeah. I remember they had to review it because of that, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. it was well when you it, watched it live. You didn't believe there was any way he caught that in pounds. It was impossible. Right. And, and then and you so, saw the replay, and it's like you could not believe it. Right. It was just it was it was the most amazing catch in footwork. And, and, and honestly, I mean, I don't I don't think I'm I, I I think that could potentially, if you looked at like the Vikings games in the Metrodome, that could possibly be a top ten play in the Metrodome. You know, of, oh of yeah, all time. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Just, I mean, and, and and you know, obviously, it's early in the season, but it kept them three and zero, right? It kept them three and zero, and it was just kind of like Favre introducing himself. Well, like, and I wrote, so I wrote down here. in your little quarter here that those first two games were just kind of as expected, not a big deal. But then we were about to lose our home opener to the 49ers, who were like an average team, and it's like, well, here we go again. See, this is not going to be anything special. And then everything just completely changed in an instant. Yep. And how many catches and touchdowns did Greg Lewis have for us that year? I think that's it. That was well. It. I mean, he had he had other catches, but one I think that's the one touchdown. And he had eight catches the whole yeah. season. Yep. <laughs> and he had I, he, the most impactful and memorable catch of the whole year. I will say, when I watch these compressed games, he had two or three clutch catches later. Like, if he only had eight, I think I kind of remember that they were like big ones. A few of them. Yeah, there's there's a late there's a late season game where he totally makes a bailout catch in like a drive we needed. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. So, Pete, quick thoughts on the first three then. Yeah, so like I was saying, I mean, uh, th- there was just something about it. Uh, it. Maybe it was that game, or maybe I think it was even a little bit before it, but it was like you just knew that there was something different. Um, um, with the way that uh, his passes were really tight, 
uh, I, I don't know, just watching it was like just had velocity on, on his throws that you had not seen from a Vikings quarterback really before. I, I also remember somebody saying on a Vikings, um, like right after he got here, like even in, in, in uh, practice or whatever, uh, when he came to the huddle, Favre just had a command that no other quarterback had around here before. It's like he just took control of the huddle and took control of the game. And so, and, and it was always obvious on the field I, with him. I have to imagine Christian Ponder was similar. And, <laughs> right. You know, very commanding. <laughs> God. I mean, we really have just had a horrible run there. but Yeah, but well, uh, look at the Chicago Bears. It could be a lot worse when it comes it to could quarterbacks. Be. It yeah. could be. Well, so so let's do this. So before we get into quarter two, um, let's talk about. So then my question was, who is on your Vikings Mount Rushmore? So do you guys want to go offensive? Offensive. Mine's going to be controversial. Maybe I should go last. I don't know. Well, if you guys want, I can go first. Go ahead. Okay. So this is just offense. My number one, and it's not even close, Randy Moss. And... He's Pretty he's actually there, Dave. well he's he's on my man crush Mount Rushmore so he transcends football for me and that like ninety eight there'll be nothing like that too but you know I love I love Moss uh, I have so I think you guys will be kind of surprised by mine because I so I did go with Chris Carter as my number two and to me I think Chris Carter has made some of the craziest catches I've ever seen I, I just remember early oh, yeah. before. Before we ever had Moss, there was a game that we had down in Atlanta, yep. Fulton County Stadium. I know where, what you're talking about. Yeah, and and I will say, uh, Sidney Rice makes a catch later in this year that's very similar, where he was he was like reaching. It was like he was running full speed, and and around the around the defensive back, right? Like his arm just goes shooting around the defensive back, pulls it in one handed, um, and so that's the thing is like. I know that that's all kind of hitting a, a similar era and everything, and and that's you know, and it's two wide receivers. But to me, th- those two were the best. My number three and number four, I think you guys will be really surprised by. My number three is Tommy Kramer, and <laughs> and it has everything to do with he was my childhood quarterback. So, and you you're know? picking them. These this isn't like these your, are the guys. These are Mount the guys Rushmore. This the is most your personal favorites. Yeah. These are the guys that mean the most to me. Mine's right? kind of a combination of that. So and mm-hmm. and and that's the thing is you know my first teddy bear was a teddy bear with a Vikings jersey. His name was Teddy Kramer, and and to me Tommy Kramer, what I, like he reminded me of like when Favre came along, I I kind of viewed Tommy Kramer the same way I always kind of looked at Favre. But see, and yeah. and that's right, Tommy, he was the quarterback, but it's so funny because he was hurt all the time. And when we were growing up, Wade Wilson was just as much the Vikings quarterback, played he just as many too. games. He's the guy that played in the NFC Championship. And he actually did a lot more when we were growing up than Tommy Kramer did. Darren Nelson would have caught that ball if Tommy <laughs> Kramer was. Man. Saw that highlight but, last night, too. <laughs> But then uh, my number four, and and there's no way you would guess this, it's Steve Jordan. And it, again, crossed my mind because I love him. Yeah, that one crossed my mind. It has everything to do with, you know, who who I loved when I was little. And obviously, so I did, you know, I have some other honorable mentions. Before I get to that, though, why don't you guys throw out yours? And then we can just kind of, because obviously I'm leaving off huge names. 
right? Yeah. So, so why don't you guys throw yours out and then we can talk about like the other guys that could have been on there. So I can go, I, I can go next. It wasn't about, I, I wasn't sure if what you meant by, you, you know, the Mount Rushmore, is it all time greats? Is it ones in our lifetime? I kind of stuck with the ones that were in our lifetime as well. Yep. Um, so I did have Moss Carter. Um, I had Adrian Peterson and I actually had my kind of sleeper pick. I had Randall McDaniel on mine. I loved him, and I thought he was That's the best in the choice, business Pete. as what there were. And I think that, um, you know, when he retired, um, or actually, did he go to the Bucks after, for like a year think, or something I like think that? I think he did, yeah. But I can't anyway, remember when, exactly, but yeah, that sounds right. That was a big loss. I just think that he was great at what he did, and I think he was a great leader, a stand-up guy, you know, a guy to have on the team. Yeah. Um, so he was, uh, he was my fourth. All right. So I picked, I mean, it, it really is what I think is kind of the Mount Rushmore, but they're guys mostly that I liked as well. But I, what I did differently is I tried to pick from each, um, position. Yeah, right. So I have a quarterback, oh. a receiver, a running back and an offensive lineman. And that's where the controversy will come in because I have one receiver. So Fran Tarkenton. You guys didn't pick Fran Tarkenton. I mean, come on. I but had I've never, him I've never down, seen him play. Then I, was like, I know, but come same on. Same reason. So that's, but if I'm going to pick a quarterback, I mean, he's the only choice for the Vikings. You, I mean, sure. whether you saw him play or not, that's. It's he, sad that we could consider Favre on the short list and he played for us yeah. for two years. Um, I also had Randall McDaniel, Pete. Randall McDaniel is like the rock of the franchise for forever. Right. He's the, one of the greatest offensive linemen ever to play. So I was. That's awesome that you picked him. And he's a teacher now, too. Um, my running back is the choice I didn't like, but I picked because so I picked Adrian Peterson. But he's not my favorite running back at all. But, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's got all the records. So if it's Mount Rushmore, I put him on there. And then my receiver is Chris Carter. I don't have Randy Moss on my Mount Rushmore because Chris Carter is the guy I love first. The guy, and he's every bit as good as Moss. I mean, Maybe not a deep threat, but he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He, and the, like you said, the catches he made on the sidelines, you just, yep. you will never see that as many times. From Talk, like, Nobody was better at, 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 like I talked about earlier with the Greg Lewis catch, nobody was better at dragging their feet to yep. stay in bounds on, right. the, you know, while catching the ball. Oh, I had to go with Chris Carter because he's the guy I, I like the most. And he had a little bit longer longevity with the Vikings, I think, than Moss overall, yeah, too. Right. So yep. that's why I picked him. It's amazing yeah, I, that two of the, probably, arguably, two of the greatest three receivers of all time we're on the Vikings at the same time, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, my favorite of all of them was Jake Reed, who was the third receiver, and he was right. no slouch. Right, right, well, exactly. And so let me throw and and I so I struggled with because there was a time I loved Adrian, right? And then Adrian was, you know, I mean, he was a rock in the franchise too, and all that. I have to say, this I is am the year actually I think where it started to change, and it was the fumbling issue that I just could not get over. And then, of course, there was the stuff with his kid later right. on. So it just and that's a, and I I think both of those things kind of combined soured him for me. Um, anyway, but let me let me rattle off a couple other names, and you tell me who I'm missing on other guys that could be considered. And I and I didn't look at linemen just because you know. I thought it'd be. I more have two more linemen on my list. That, I mean, they're old guys, though. Oh, not Steve Hutchinson. No, so. Ron Yeri and Mick Tinglehoff. 
Yeah. Okay. Hall of Famers. So obviously Adrian wasn't on my list, but you know, I get why he would be on your guys's. Cole Pepper was a name I had on there. Robert Smith, Anthony Carter, Brad for you, I put Kyle Rudolph on on my short list. Well, Anthony uh, Carter, like he slipped my mind. He was also well, see, to me, when you're talking about Jake Reed, I think like Anthony Carter. Well, so for me, Steve Jordan. That's the time where it was Anthony Carter and Hassan Jones, and I love both of those guys. Um, but Terry Allen, like if we're going to talk about our best running backs, he's in the short list too, I think. Terry Allen was like my favorite running back yeah. ever. Well, As and that's personal another, favorite. Like he just was kind of a – yeah, he just And was unfortunately, awesome. he had a very short career here because of injuries. Yeah, two, two ACLs. Mm-hmm. Um, but then – I, and and especially after watching these games, Harvin I think has to be in the in the discussion just because he was crazy good. And then Diggs. O- outside of that, I don't have a lot of other guys where I go, oh, they're kind of unsung, whatever. Well, I, I I mean, those are good players, but I feel like yeah. you named a lot of guys with short shelf lives here who well, they were great players here, but I they're nowhere near uh, Mount Rushmore for. No, right, no, right. I know. These are just guys that I thought, who are the skilled players that I've liked over the years? So, by the way, if Vasante Shanko played with Brett Favre for 10 years, he would have been a Hall of Famer. Vasante Shanko had 11 touchdowns, led the team in touchdowns that year. It was insane. Yeah, yeah. I looked those stats up last night because I thought it was probably Sidney Rice, but it actually wasn't. Every single game, he got a touchdown. It was crazy. Anyway. So I already mentioned McTinglehoff and Ron Yeri. And, of course, Randy Moss is on my honorable mention. But two that you didn't say, so besides Terry Allen, my favorite running back is Robert Smith. I mean, and he, oh, I oh, didn't yes. mention Robert Smith. I wanted to put him yeah. on my Mount Rushmore, but I felt like I had to pick like the best running back. So I didn't. <laughs> um, and then Chuck Foreman, who I never got to watch, but Chuck right. Foreman was like the original two-way threat, well, awesome West Coast running back. He was totally ahead of his time based yeah. on the stuff you see. Yeah, totally. So that's yeah. my other guys that I think all would merit serious consideration. You got anybody else? Pete? Nope that uh, that covers it for me. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into the second quarter, and this is the longest one, and basically the theme here. And I'll just run through the games. I mean, this is where the Vikings start rolling, right? So week four, Monday Night Football against the Pack. They won thirty to twenty-three. I was at that game. I don't think the game was even close to being that close either. I mean, they were they they whooped up on them. Oh um, well, by the way, in that video yearbook, Pete, did you notice this? In the two Packers games that year, did you know that we had fourteen sacks and the yeah. Packers had zero? <laughs> so, we sacked Aaron Rodgers fourteen times and Brett Favre was not sacked once. Yeah, Jared, I remember that now. Yeah, Jared had. Four and a half sacks in this game. Yep. We had eight as a team in the fourth quarter. Now, mind you, the game ended 30 to 23. Aaron Rodgers is running out of the end zone or, you know, he's in the end zone. He's getting pressured. He's running out and McCarthy challenges. I think he was challenging like the spot or something. I I can't remember how he challenged it. He He challenged it into a safety. You know, it was basically, I think maybe it was like they thought that Aaron might have fumbled. And when they reviewed it, they, they called it a safety. And and it was just like the dumbest thing. 
But um, but in that game, so you know, Rogers definitely had the bigger stats there. You had Favre was 271, three touchdowns, no interceptions. But Rodgers had 384 and two TDs. But he also, early in the game, he fumbled. And early in the game, he threw a big interception. So we got out to like a big, big lead. This game might be the most fun I've ever had in the Metrodome, right? I mean, it was it was just so, so loud in there, so awesome. Um, well, the and, great thing and then, about that game is because the 49ers game was great because of the ending, but it was still kind of fluky. So it's like, yep. You know, but this then solidified that we were the best team in the division and that, I mean, this was it now. So now the one the one other thing, the the other problematic play in this game. So we we were rolling and Adrian fumbles and Clay Clay Matthews basically rips it out from him and runs it back 55 yards for a touchdown. I think I think Clay Matthews was a rookie this year and I remember I was in the tunnel when this happened because I was trying to beat the halftime rush for the bathrooms because I wanted to see the third quarter and not be stuck in the stupid tunnels. And I remember coming back and somebody was describing the play to me and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Um, but but anyway, so so, yeah, it was it was uh, an, an awesome game. Oh, and that was the only other thing on here. So the play. So Adrian fumbles. Claymaker brings it back. I just want to, so you have Mike Tirico, you have Mike Tirico and John Gruden. Care to make a guess as to what they talked about after Adrian fumbled? Just think about what everyone brought up when Adrian fumbled. His hands. Yeah. Tirico goes (laughs) right to, that guy's got the strongest handshake you'll ever meet. You know, I think he broke every bone in my hand. And then Gruden, (laughs) and then Gruden, the ultimate, you know, like, inside or whatever so he starts to talk about clay matthews what do you think he said uh he has long hair his hair now, he went into the the great gene pool and you know the breeding oh the God. matthews family and this and i was like yeah <laughs> i forgot how much i hated listening to my monday night football during those years anyway all right so then we just start rolling week five we beat the rams 38 10 not much to say about that week six we beat the Ravens 33-31. We, we luck out because... That's the one game that was scary. I remember that game really well. Because we had a huge lead. We were going to lose, but he led us to a last-second field goal. And no, was no. It was, it, well, it was the Ravens missed the last-second field goal. Oh, well, but he led us to the... We were down. He got us down to... But then I guess yes. there was time left, so... That is true. And then Steven Hauschka missed. That's right. Missed wide. Do you know who totally led the charge back for the Ravens? Ray Rice. Ray Rice. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, and then I will say, too, in this game, I think it was this game where, oh, no, it was in the Rams game. So the only thing that was notable about the Rams game was the the cameras caught Favre sticking smelling salts under a trainer's nose before before kickoff and giving him a jolt, which I thought was really funny. Anyway. <laughs> um then we have our first loss. So this is the little speed bump in here. Uh, do you guys remember who it was? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. 27-17. Even this game was kind of fluky in that they just scored two, like, freak defensive touchdowns down the stretch. Like, I'd, uh, it was a Farb fumble, and then, and then, and then Harvin uh, returned the ensuing kick. 
and then uh, and then they got another defensive TD. Um, but then but then after that we go week eight seven uh, we we go to seven and one, and uh, let's see here, who did we beat this week? Why did I not write that one down? Uh, week nine we play the Lions. This was the game I was at. Adrian is off on like an eighty yard run, gets run down from behind, and then punch the ball out. But we beat them 27-10 that week. I was at that game with Mandy. Week 11, this is one I want to talk about a little bit, Brad. Do you remember who we played in week 11? Well, this must be the Seattle game that I went to with you. Yeah. So so a little side tangent. Speaking of horrible uniforms, the Seahawks ruined their uniforms. But again, watching this video, they used to be even worse than they were like some. The (laughs) color was like, what in the hell is this thing? I'm so sick of these teams in their uniforms. Brad, what do you remember about this game? Uh, you and some lady next to you that was a Seahawks fan. and Some drama, of course, with you. What, what, hold on. Do you think I caused any of it? No. No. Okay. But, of course, you got stuck sitting next to a Seahawks lady. So, so, so Pete, we, we go up, and there's this lady with, like, some dude, like... That was the other thing. They were such a weird couple. It was like this old man and then like a 50-year-old lady or, you know, 40-year-old lady with like a 70-year-old man. And there she, so I'm always like, I'm chatty. So I just, you know, I'm talking to her and I've never once gotten into like trash talking at the stadium for, I'm just like, I don't care about that stuff. I think it's stupid. So I'm just talking with her and there's nothing going on in the first quarter. Nobody scores. So the entire first quarter, we're talking a little bit. She seems pleasant enough. And then, like, right at the beginning of the second quarter, Favre throws his first touchdown. And she starts, like, mumbling to herself. And he proceeds to score two more touchdowns, like, immediately. It was like, bang, 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 right right in the second quarter there. And this lady starts, like, she's just like, you know, I hate the, I've always hated the Vikings. They're the worst. They, they always have the refs on their side and this and that. She's saying all this like crazy stuff, right? And I'm like, oh boy, what's going on here? And the guys, Brad, do you remember the guys next to her on the other side? They they were the ones that got her all riled up. And I, no, I'm I like, not. I'm hitting Brad and I'm like, dude, this, this lady's like losing her mind and everything. And she was saying like just some funny stuff, but. We went down again. We tried to beat the halftime rush. Do you remember what happened right before halftime? Um, no. It's not game related. No. We won, we won something. Do you remember? We won free pizza. You don't oh, remember? kind of. Yeah, I've never we're, won those things before. Yeah, we were like in the win the free pizza row. So we go <laughs> down. We're like, free pizza. You know, we get pizza. We come back up. And this lady has, so the whole time we're gone, the guys sitting on the other side of her are just winding her up. So we come back and she's ready to kill someone. (laughs) It was, it was, and, and they finally left. And I think she like, I didn't say anything to her in the second half. And I remember she like, like yelled something at both of us, I think. And it was, it was a weird game, man. Anyway. Actually, right. what I the one thing I remember about that game is that that's the one game in the year where Tavares Jackson got in at the end and, and like threw a touchdown, I think, too. And we were ahead by so much that he got to play again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So then we're, you know, uh, then we go to Chicago. 
we beat the Bears at home in week 12, 36 to 10. It's Jay Cutler. Favre's got 392 and three. Adrian, um, well, Adrian has 85 and a touchdown, but he also has a fumble. Prince, is fi- Prince for the first time in the games I'd seen, was seen up in the stands. Um, and this is kind of like, this is the game. Like, we're 10 and one at this point. We're c- totally cruising. This is where quarter two ends. When it comes to that whole run, is there any any comments you guys have about that? I've already said. I just it felt like cruise control. Like this team is for real now, and was, this was where I was starting to buy in that maybe this really is going to be the year that everything changes. Stupidly like thinking destiny, that. but I knew that it was going to come down to what happens in the playoffs, and anything can happen, which we've seen before. So I just had my th- this whole time I was just on pins and needles waiting for the playoffs because I, I knew what was yeah, coming and it there. turned out. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was coming and I was right. Get the number one seed, which they didn't. And yeah, they that's, did. That's third quarter. That's the problem there. Well, yeah. and so we'll get to that in the third quarter, but let's take a quick break then and talk about defensive Mount Rushmore. So I can, I can give you guys mine again. You get guys give yours and then we'll talk about, you know, who was, who was considered. So, for me, again, there's a number one, and there's everyone else well below him. And for me, that's John Randall. And Oh, my God. I forgot about John Randall completely. Well, he was my and that's why, that's why when you said the thing about the 98 defense, I'm like, dude, John Randall and 10 scrubs would be a formidable defense, man. I, yes, that yes. guy is the best. I and can't believe him, I forgot him about versus John Brett Favre was the most fun football right there to watch. Yeah, uh, um, that that rivalry between those two was as good as it gets. The little the little chicken commercial where he's you yeah. know he, he knits him a Favre jersey and everything. And that's the thing is, so to me, Randall, much like like for me, my number one on my offensive one was Moss. We're talking about Favre. I think in all three cases, Moss probably. To me, Moss didn't have the charisma that that like a Favre or, or Randall does. He was fun outside of football in a different way. But that was the thing is like they were just characters beyond mm-hmm. being awesome. And yeah. and so that's that's why he'll just be there. There's no one close to him in my in my view. Um, number two, and again, part of this is I wasn't considering the purple people eaters and all that. They're just before my time. Number two. I go Joey Browner, strong hands, probably stronger than Adrian. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Marshall, I had him as my number two as well. So so far we're wow we're in lockstep. Yep. My number three, and and he bumped up from four to three because of the what I was watching here. I I just forgot how dominant Jared Allen was. He's yeah. dude when when he was dominant with us, he was so much fun to watch. Um. And then my number four, and this was, I mean, there were a handful of guys that could have slipped in here. I put Dolman. And yeah. there's other guys from that era that that I thought about, but Dolman, you know, well, I'll, so I'll let you guys throw yours out first, and then I'll kind of tell you who I was thinking about. As we already said, I had John Randall, Joey Browner, and I had Chris Dolman. Um, the one that I had that is a little bit maybe of a sleeper pick too, but I just loved Antoine Winfield. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, I I love having a good secondary, a shutdown corner like him, and he was as good as it gets. Um, plus, obviously, we all loved having his son on the Gophers, and just yeah. tons of fun. I wish I wish they would have. Ta- I wish the Vikings would have taken him uh, as well, but they didn't. I I gotta ask you guys. Would have been a good think, pick. Could you think of any other? Cornerback was one I had a really hard time outside of Winfield. I couldn't think of a lot of. No, I have two safeties listed, but no other cornerbacks. Yeah. Did you go Kraus? Well, no, he's in my honorable mention, so. Okay. All right, so. Who who do you have? All right, so I I included all the old teams, too, because. So here's the thing. We never saw these players play. But growing up as a Vikings fan, you felt like you did. I mean, the history yeah. of the Vikings, the four Super Bowl losses, that's like ingrained in your blood when you become a fan. Like, you felt like you knew those teams. You heard so much about those players. So even though I never saw them play, I know so much about them. I feel like, you know, that's – and I, so I'm including them too. So number one is Alan Page because he's like the greatest Vikings defensive player of all time. Um. And then I also had Jim Marshall, too, because he's like the Iron Man of the Vikings forever. So I wanted to have a lineman, a linebacker, defensive back. Um, so I ended up with two linemen there. And now I have three because I, I added John Randall because he completely slipped my mind. And he is definitely going to be on there. The guy that I removed, which I'm kind of surprised neither one of you actually said, I had Scott Studwell on there at first as my linebacker. I love yeah. Scott Studwell. All-time yeah. leading tackler. He was the awesome guy growing up. Loved him. So he got he got bumped out, but he would be in my next one. And then my fourth guy was also Joey Browner. We all had Joey Browner because I grew up loving that guy. And he's my defensive back that, yeah. that I just loved. And yeah. so Paige, Randall, Marshall, and Browner. That's pretty <laughs> so, tough guys. So I have to say... I like I struggled with it, it, obviously much shorter period of time, but I loved Keith Millard. Yes. And yes. I, I considered him, but he was just too short of a time. Yeah. And that's the thing is if you were going to talk about like single seasons, there was a, one year where Millard was right up near Gastineau's sack record. Well, and... actually, it was Dolman. But Millard in 89, Dolman had 21 sacks and Millard had 18. Between the is two it, of them. Okay. I thought it was I thought it was Millard was one short of it. So no, it, it was Dolman. Okay. And and, and he almost broke it in that Bengals game at the end of the year that you were at on Christmas night. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then uh so I mean, well, I have to I'm just gonna throw I know he doesn't belong on this list, but I put Anthony Barr in there as an, an honorable mention for ending Aaron Rodgers season that one year. Ah, mm-hmm. there you go. That's a he's, good call. He's he's in the VIP tent the rest of his life. Um, I did, I put Harrison Smith on my short list and, uh, Oh yes, that's it. I love Harrison Smith. I did have Studwell. I had Winfield. Um, I put Henry Thomas. Ooh, I loved Henry Thomas. Hardware Hank was the best. Uh, see, it was Henry Thomas, uh, Noga, Millard and Dolman. I mean, we grew up with our own set of purple people leaders. Totally. Those four were awesome. Oh yeah, totally. And then I did have, you know, and and in these highlights, man, Kevin Williams. I forgot what a beast Kevin Williams was, and uh, I'll never forgive him for dropping a dropping a catch. But I loved Robert Griffith too. Yes, I know what you're talking about. He dropped that 
yep. goddamn pass in the 98 or just, yeah you know, just chance. makes a catch and we go to the super bowl i know i know so besides studwell i had carl eller and paul yep. kraus from the old teams because i mean obviously they're great and then i had dolman and winfield and jared allen all listed too as honorable they were all the guys that i thought reached the level of potentially being on a mount rushmore yep Pete, did you have anybody and else? I played long enough to to like be part of that. So other yeah, than the Mount Rushmore, I did have noted that the purple people eaters are kind of just their own category. So yeah, um, their own thing. Nothing wrong with having any any of those guys at all. So that's all I had to add. Did you guys name the fourth purple people leader? Uh Gary Larson. Okay, good. I figured. The writer of the Far Side. <laughs> <laughs> he played. He played defensive tackle for the Vikings, and then he went on to create the Far Side. So all right, let's uh let's do the third quarter fast because this quarter sucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then and that's the thing. This is where doubt kind of creeps in. I called it so, a disaster. Yeah, so we go we go to 10 and 2 by losing in Arizona. Arizona wasn't as bad as I remember. They made the playoffs. They beat the Packers in the first week of the playoffs. This is Kurt Warner. But they lost 30 to 17. And it just was like one of these weird hangover games. And late in the game, do you remember? So we lost a significant defender. Does any? Do you guys remember this? Ed McD- no, I'm uh, not. EJ Henderson? This is where EJ yeah. Henderson broke his leg. And it's one of the grossest things you'll ever see. He, like, gets rolled up on. And as he's spinning, his leg is at, like, this weird, like, weird angle as he's, you know, because he gets rolled up on. So he's flipping over. And his leg is like sticking straight up when the rest of his body's the other way. And it's it's just yeah. disgusting. And I, I think if I remember right, I think this kind of ended his career. But I, I will say, like, when you think about how things ended, that's a huge loss. So I, th- I thought that was a really significant thing. We did get a win the next week. We played Cincinnati. Cincinnati was nine and four. Yeah, another- I, I did not. They were nine and three going into that game. I saw that on yeah. that highlight video last night, and I had to go back and look. They made the playoffs. They were actually, and we just destroyed them like they were the regular old Bengals. Right, right. And this is this is uh, Carson Palmer. I the one thing I remember, I was at this game. I remember a bunch of uh, Bengals fans in the in the tunnels yelling "Who day?" I didn't know that that was a thing for them, but it's that's a, a Bengal thing. Who day? Who day? Um, but then. Do you know who the defensive coordinator was? For the Bengals? Uh, he got some he got some uh camera oh, time. Mike game. Zimmer. Mike Zimmer. So Oh yeah. Then we go and we lose to the Panthers 26-7. So now we're eleven and three. And this is And this is this, the game where Favre and Childress get in a fight and Favre starts calling his own plays. Right. And so Childress and get really almost ugly. benched him. Who do you think? So we're playing the we're playing you know the the Panthers. Matt Moore is the quarterback, but who do you think just lit us up? Uh, Matt Moore is what I. Well, Steve Smith, the guy who just always kills us. Yeah, he's and, a good re- he's a good receiver though. Yeah, well, no, that, that's what I'm saying is it just of course you know Steve Smith has you know nine one fifty seven and one, so we lose to them. This quarter ends with a lot. So remember, Q2 ended with a 36-10 win over the Bears at home. 
Now we go to Chicago. I will say the Panthers game, I think, is the game where, you know, I know. Well, and I know for for a fact you were you were tracking all the scenarios for home field advantage. I do think that Panthers game was Hmm. like the game where it was like, all right, it's it's done. Well, that was the thing. They because the Saints were losing. The Saints lost a game, too, and they were trying to give it away. And and we gave away home field. And really, I don't think that ended up. That didn't end up really mattering, but so so we go to I eleven. Guess maybe we would have won the Saints game if, but I mean, we should have won it anyway. So we go we go to eleven and four with a thirty six thirty overtime loss to the Bears, who after this game are six and nine. It just was it was horrible. I, I mean, and and you remember all these losses were on primetime TV, and it was just so painful week after week. I, I had a note. I had a note written down here. So for the first time in the stat pack that I was watching and everything, I go, Jim Kleinsaucer's still on this team? He caught a pass, and they're like, Kleinsaucer. And I was like, I have the right year, right? Like, is this <laughs> – I, I could not believe that Jim Kleinsaucer was still on this team. Um, but, yeah, so so Favre does bring them back. Fourth and goal from the six, Favre to Rice. And then we go to over – the only reason we went to overtime, Robbie Gold missed a 45-yard field goal. Oh, really? We get, we get to overtime. And Adrian Peterson fumbles. Peterson fumbles. And Devin Aroma Shadu burns – I think it was Antoine Winfield, unfortunately. Um, so that's the end of Q, Q3. I didn't really – so the last question I want to put on the back end. So we'll go right into Q4. And – they go to 12 and 4 to end the year. They beat a Giants team that ended up ending 8 and 8. Yeah, but I didn't they, realize you know, the Giants are better than I thought too cuz we just destroyed yeah. them. Yeah, 44-7 ass whooping is what I wrote down. Um, you know, not much to say there, but then that playoff game. So what do you guys remember about the first playoff game against the Cowboys? Yes. Everybody was picking the Cowboys because they yeah, were the a trendy lot of, old I Cowboys. Was, I was, well, and they, apparently they it. were coming on a hot streak. But still, come on. But so I, the 98 Vikings played the 98 Vikings played a pretty weak Arizona Cardinals team at home before Atlanta came to town, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think everybody that remembered that team was worried because the week before the Cowboys whooped up on the Eagles. And it was Donovan McNabb Eagles. Like, it wasn't a pushover team. But do you guys remember the two skill players that everyone was freaking out about? Romo was the quarterback, but do you remember who their stud receiver and stud running back were? I know they had Marion Barber. So he wasn't the main guy, though. It was uh, Felix Jones. Yes. I I know this just because of the video I watched last night. I don't remember Felix Jones. Do Do you remember the stud receiver? Who actually had an okay game against us. Roy Williams? Roy Williams was on the team, but it was Miles Austin. Yeah. Both guys, yeah. both guys were just going nuts down the stretch. So I remember, like, going into this game thinking, like, maybe we won't be, a, and and especially the way we ended the season, I oh, was, yeah. I was absolutely nervous. Mm-hmm. So it amazed me that that we ended up winning the way we did, which you know, I'll thirty-four get to. to three, absolute domination. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, no score until 404 in the first quarter, but then it starts Favre to Rice. And I wrote here, you know, basically it's he his first TD catch 
looks a lot like that Chris Carter catch down in Atlanta I was talking about. Mm-hmm. It's he reaches around the 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 defensive back, pulls the ball out one-handed. It was I mean, that's the thing is watching these highlights I could just go how many receivers wasted their careers in Minnesota getting just thrown to by bums. Cuz like a guy like Sidney Rice should have had yeah. a bigger career. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't go on to do anything anywhere else either. Well, he went to Seattle. Pre- he wasn't that good. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was I, it. This was like a way outlier season for his career. Yeah. And it's crazy because he had all the tools. Like, he, he, I don't get it why he wasn't better. Do you guys remember? Oh, well, so first of all, MVP of the game, even though they were on the losing side, I still would say Felix Jones. Do you know how many yards he had? No idea. Pete, you want to take a guess on how many yards he got? He's 69 yards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> you get it. All right. So the the only other thing I'll throw out here, Shanko had a TD, by the way, in this game. Of course um, he did. The, the only thing I'll throw out here, do you guys remember the little controversy at the end of the game? Keith Brooking? Yes. And, and uh, he, he was all... All sad because we were running up the score at the end of the game by scoring a touchdown. He got pissed off after Favre threw the Shanko TD because the Shanko TD came in the last two minutes. And But it's funny, when you watch this, the highlights, about a minute and a half earlier, he totally blows up Favre late on a play. Like, Favre throws it, and it's step, 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 and Brooking just cross-checks him into the next week. You know, so... I don't know how much of that is, you know, Favre was like, well, F you, buddy. So, and then this is, this is the whole thing where afterwards, I told Percy and. Uh, I told Percy, I do this, pants on the ground, pants on the ground. Yes, which I have to say, <laughs> I thought that was so dumb. Even at the time, I was like, because do you guys know what he was singing there? Yeah, pants on the ground. Well, but, but, but do you know what the, what that's from? It's from like American Idol. Yes. It's like the dude from American Idol. Um, guy, that was his song. You know how, like, at the beginning of American Idol, there's all these people who come in and they're not that good. they just laugh them. at. Yeah, it was just some guy that looked, you know, he, he just looked really weird. And he comes in and he just sings pants on the ground. And everyone's like, what? So, yeah, I thought that, I don't know. Like, I remember K-Fan just getting so excited about that. And I, I was like, that's kind of stupid. <laughs> anyway all right so now here's the big game we go to new orleans bounty gate game first of all i'm gonna just start this out by saying the bounty gate thing has never bothered me like newsflash they were gonna try and knock brett Favre out like i don't care and and new orleans knocked kurt warner out the week before like so they're just a dirty team bounty gate i don't really give a crap about what does bother me when i watch this game back there are a couple of pivotal plays where the refs did nothing. Right. It's that's right. the thing. It's the fact that's that the they problem. would let it go, and that in this, like, if it was today, I mean, oh my he, god, yeah. if this would have been Aaron Rodgers getting beat up this way, there's a there's a play early in the game where Favre hands it off to Harvin on an end around, and and again, it's three steps later, and their defensive end just buries him into the turf. 
And, and we're talking about Brett Favre, who even back then got every single call from the refs, it seemed like, for yeah. the past 10 years before well, that's that. that's what we had complained about forever, and now he's on our right. team, and we're not getting those calls. So Well, and, and so late in the game, and I didn't realize this, he threw, a, he threw before the Tracy Porter interception, he throws an interception earlier that sets up one of their TDs, and it's that play. It's the play everyone references where he got high load by two of their guys yeah, yeah. and there's no flag. So it's like, okay, wait a minute. So he gets, he gets just crushed in the knee and in the head and, and they didn't call anything. And that was a, I mean, that was like a, an interception, like basically that put like new Orleans in the red zone almost. And so anyway, I, as I watched this game, I found this game just so infuriating. Well, do you remember where you watched it? I do. So that's when I get to the postscript, Brad. And see, so, this was like the sign of how we were all back again because we all watched this together at my house, and it was like the biggest gathering for a Vikings game we'd had in years. I remember where I was sitting, and <laughs> I remember who I was sitting with. I was in your little rocker. off. Like, if you're looking at the TV, I was off to the right yep. in the rocker. And I had Baylor in my lap because Baylor was about six months old. Oh, God, you had kids there, too, I suppose. They... Yes. And I had Baylor in my lap. And so I'll talk about that because when um, when Garrett Hartley kicks that field goal, I had like a little epiphany, you know, life moment or whatever of just like, I remember just looking at Baylor and being like, oh, man, this is rough. And anyway, but but that's Okay. Do you know who carved us up offensively? It wasn't Drew Brees. Taysom Hill. Pierre Thomas. <laughs> no, it was not Taysom Hill. Uh, although that would have been great. But yeah, Pierre Thomas is the guy that killed us the entire game. You know, like he got he got he had a 38-yard team. Yeah, I don't think anybody right killed us. It was the Vikings killed themselves with seven fumbles. That's what killed well, us. So here's and, and, and interceptions. I'll just read some of this stuff real quick. So Adrian TD to open the game. Saints score on their first drive. Pierre Thomas, 7-7. Next drive, Lyman blows up Favre well after a handoff. Favre to Rice, 14-7. Breeze to Devery Henderson, 14-14. First yeah, four, back and forth right off the bat. First like four possessions, right? One thirteen left in the half. That's when Reggie, Reggie Bush muffs that punt. Now, I got to ask you guys, why is the rule that you can't advance a muff punt? What it what and what, I have no idea. I've never known or why or anything. No, because we all know that Adrian and Favre and the and the fumble got credited to Favre, but I put it on Adrian just because of his fumbling history. But we go and we fumble it on second and goal from the five. But do you know that when we recovered that ball, we recovered it in the end zone? No, he muffed it at the ten, and it was one of those things where everyone's jumping after it. And a Viking falls on it in the end zone. Hmm. And and so I just don't I don't get like I have no I, idea why that rule is. Yeah, that, I don't it's still that. a rule or what. So anyway, so then um then you know, let's see here. Pierre Thomas then scores. So it's 14-14. Pierre Thomas gets a touchdown in the beginning of the third quarter. We don't challenge it. Scoring plays were not automatically reviewed back then. He didn't make it in, and it wasn't even close. Like, he should have been – it was one of those things, like, his knee hits, and then he extends out. He should have been well back, like, behind the one. 
And and so that was, was fourth down. It was first and goal. Oh. But in this, in this weird in this weird game, like I kind of go, there was so much weird stuff in this game. I would have taken my chances. Anyway, so so he gets that Vikings don't challenge. Um, third quarter ends with a Pierre Thomas TD. So now they're up twenty eight, you know, twenty eight to fourteen. Adrian answers with a court, with a with a touchdown. Um, oh, and then in the third quarter is when Adrian had that one fumble where he's running through and then the ball just went flying out of his hand. So I do remember in this one, he got it back. It was like he fumbled it like eight yards ahead of him, unforced, and then he went down and jumped down there and he somehow got it. But that for for about a half a quarter, you were losing your mind saying like, you just got to bench the guy. Put yes. in Chester Taylor. I remember. And we had a good backup. Well, and I, well, and that's the thing is Chester Taylor was awesome. But the whole time I was sitting there and I was thinking, I was arguing with you about it. I was like, no, no, you got to stick with them or whatever. <laughs> when that play happened, I, I think I honestly probably said out loud, fuck that guy, get him off the field. I don't want to ever see him again. I, like, I, he I have been saying it ever since before the Bears game that he's going to kill us. And that's exactly, I mean, I mean it wasn't only him, but. Dude, he broke through the line. He was in the clear, and it just whoop, and ball just shoots out like eight yards. Anyway, so I do remember that that distinctly. But then, um, third quarter, Favre interception was on the play where he where they high load him, no flag. Saints final TD set set up. Oh, that's what it was. the The Saints final TD was set up by Harvin's fumble. Yeah, Percy so had Harvin, a horrible fumble. Harvin fumbled, and then and then. On the ensuing drive with 937 left where we could tie it up, Barian fumbles on the 10 going in. Like we were on the 10 and he fumbled the ball. It's amazing. It, I mean, it just so then, you know, we come back, we do, we do get a score, and then we have the ball. And after all that, I'm like, we got the ball. We are going to win this game. There was no doubt in my mind on that last we're drive. On. We're on the 37-yard line. There's no way we can possibly lose. No, we had the great kicker for once. Indoors. Going. It's over. <laughs> that was basically it. <laughs> and and then 12 men on the field. And then Favre throws his his across the body. Oh, boy. Yeah, anyway. Let's just move on here's, from there. Here's where this is the most infuriating thing, though. Then you go to overtime. Okay. So here's here's just the quick overtime. They return the kickoff to the 42. So terrible. Like they we can't give anything up. Colston has a catch that gets reviewed. It's incomplete, but they call Oh, that's what it was. Colston they call a catch. It must have gotten um reviewed. So they review it saying no, it's incomplete, but then they call holding on the defensive back. So they didn't call it initially. So they get another 10 yards. And that's and the ref basically said that. He comes back out and he goes, after further review, the receiver did not catch the ball. However, we are, you know, we're calling holding Can't on the do defense. That. That's against the rules. I, I, I couldn't believe it when I well, was there. There must have been a flag that was thrown that they claim was called during or you know, they after can't, the they can't make that when call. You watch on the review. Highlight, there's no graphic. There's I know, I know. And the way he said it, and I'm like, are you shitting me? Anyway, so then so then there's that. Then Colston in completion on the next play, he catch, he almost catches it and then he flips it out like this 
and it literally goes right into Tyrell Johnson's hands. He catches it and then just drops it. It's in his hands, and then he lets it go. And so, like, I mean, it's unbelievable. Then fourth and one gets reviewed. They give Pierre Thomas a fourth and one. Greenway meets him. He jumps over the line. Greenway meets him. They they give him the spot. They review it, and they're and it's basically one of those. Well, they can't overturn it because if it would have gotten called the other way and and all that. So they convert a fourth and one. And then the next play is the Ben Lieber interference call, which, and I, I backed it up to watch it again. Ben Lieber is running with a backup tight end who sticks his arms out to try and like get his body ready. And Drew Brees' pass sails seven yards past their heads. Jeez. So it's a little contact on a totally uncatchable ball. And that's what set up Garrett Hartley. Like, what a cluster F. I remember I was wearing a cap and I threw it across the room when that call was made because I knew right. To, I mean, obviously everybody knew that was it. That was yeah, it. oh yeah. And and I just was like, you kind of knew that was it when the window overtime to start with. But that play was like, okay, that was, now, now they're in field. No range. way. Yeah. And when Pete throws his hat, I mean, that's it right there. I don't even wear a hat very Pete often. Pete throwing a hat means it's over and it's he's over. Mad. That's right. <laughs> so. So I will, I, I mean, I will probably, uh, you know, celebrate in the streets the eventual year the Vikings win the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. But, but that night, Brad, and I do, I wrote down here, I remember having Baylor in my lap, in your rocker, and just being so profoundly sad. Mm-hmm. And then, like, looking at her and think, and then I, and I remembered thinking to myself, it's just sports, dude. Like, you know what? Like who cares? And and honestly, I I that team kind of just put it all into perspective for me. Of like, I don't. I love watching the games. I still get fired up and all that. But like the this was the one where I was like, yeah, I'm no longer face paint guy. I'm no longer any of that kind of stuff. Like I had already been over it, but this is the team that brought me back. But I mean, I got over it quicker than I did in '98 because yeah, it's like. I mean, so if this now, happens here, I guess we're, it just, we're never going to win one. It's just pretty sip, pretty easy. So I remember in 98, we were all drinking at Stone Grove the night before. And I think I was pretty well into it. So I remember leaving Craig's house after 98, being super bummed out, but also teensy bit hungover. And, uh, <laughs> and that, I remember that being Not a, a good real, combo. I just, yeah, I remember the feeling in the house that day. At yeah, the you went upstairs. Game. You didn't it even watch the sadness. I, I went upstairs. That. I couldn't walk. I couldn't be around people. It was, it was sadness. That was a rough drive home. I remember that one. But, uh, but yeah. So, so here's, here's the thing. So here's my little postscript when it comes to this. And, and my question for you guys on at the end here was, was it worth it? And for me, this is, this is just what I wrote is, you know, I think about what happened afterwards. So 2010 was like the ultimate hangover season. We had a bad start. We signed Randy Moss as a last ditch thing. I remember the morning that happened. I was working at Warner Brothers. There was like, it was snowing. They were talking about on KFAN. And I, I, I got back to just being like super pumped. Like I was like, oh, the magic's coming back and, and all that. Then, you know. He comes back, nothing really happens. Favre sends his dick it's a pic. Disaster. Yeah, they they melt down. The dome and I knew that that 
Favre, he didn't want to play that year. It was just when he came back, it was like, no, this is just yeah. not going to work. Well, and none and of that surprised me one bit. The dome implodes, which, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, like, so symbolic. symbolic. We, so I was at the TCF game after. So it was me, Hummel, Sonia, and, and Kent, my father in law. The four of us went out there. It was first come, first serve if you had tickets, and we had tickets. So we were waiting for hours before they let people in. And my friend Trisha, who worked at Warner Brothers, she worked for the Vikings too. She's texting me before they opened the gates. She had gotten us seats on the 50-yard line first row. And so we go in. We're playing the Bears. Favre throws a, a TD pass to Percy Harvin to open the game. And everyone's taking their – there's so much snow. Everyone's taking their snow and throwing it up. Uh the Star Tribune wrote that it was like a Studio 4 vibe or atmosphere. Studio 54 atmosphere there. <laughs> and uh, But that was the thing is we're going nuts. Hummel and I are like just high-fiving and everything. And Favre comes running off. He comes over. He answers the little phone on the sidelines and everything. And all these guys are biased. And they're all yelling at him, yelling at him and everything. Like, Favre, Favre, Favre. And you can tell he's just he's just spent physically – he looks up and he gives like a wink and I did. And I just thought, God damn, this guy is the best. And <laughs> about, about five minutes later, he gets crushed by Corey Wooten, head snapped on the frozen crushed. shield. Head snaps on the I, frozen I literally field, thought he was dead. And his career is over. <laughs> that would have been a fitting end for the Vikings. And I mean, <laughs> well, that was, and that was it. His career was done after that is, you know, he gets that. He, he gets that. Well, his career was going to be done whether he got injured or not. It, he was. But, it was over. But but they had two more games. You know. Oh, that's right. That wasn't the last game. That wasn't the last game, and and he didn't play. He didn't play the rest of the year. But that's the thing is. So I think about how much I used to hate Brett Favre and Jenny. So a couple years before this, Jenny for Christmas gave me a frame. It had, and, it, and the joke of it was like, you know, these are a few of my favorite things. It had a picture of Jared from Subway, Paris Hilton, and Brett Favre. Wow, what a combo. <laughs> and all I could think was, when we signed Favre, I just remember so many times during that season thinking, God damn, I wish Jenny were still around. She would fucking love this. <laughs> so was it worth it? Hell yeah, it was worth it. I said it was worth it. I said it was way fun. It, like I said, 98 broke me on the Vikings. I, I did not love them anymore after that. But this rekindled that whole thing. And like you said, it's sports. It's supposed to be fun. And this was a fun year. And it brought us all together again. Yeah. And the horrifying ending was bad. But I'd seen it before. I mean, we're used to it. And... So at least we had the chance. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And it's, so the generation ahead of us, I mean, they lived through four Super Bowl losses, but at least they made it. And none of those games were even close, so it didn't have oh. that pain. We can't even get to the Super Bowl, and we just get our heart. I mean, we've been through so much with this team. Well, and we'll be talking about that because... And it gives get, us a story. We, we get one of two things always. But yeah, Pete, was it worth it for you? Absolutely. I mean, I would do it over again. It's always fun to have, you know, it's always great to have a fun season. Um, but it is what it is. Heartbreak in the end, but yep. it's 
Better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all, Dave. There you go. We're not the lions. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that's a different. It's a different type of misery, and that's. I guess that's kind of why I wanted to ask that question. Is in in certain ways, getting your heart ripped out in that way versus just being pathetic, in some ways, can be a lot more painful in the moment, right? You know, yeah. and oh, it and, is. Yeah. So, so Brad, you, uh, last night you gave us a last minute, uh, assignment. That'd be a great way to cap this off. How do you want to do this? Who do you want to have go first? All right. So like I said, we have lived through in our lifetimes, five NFC championship losing Vikings teams. Each one's been different. They've been spread out over the years. Basically it's, it's almost like one every 10 years, pretty much. Well, except for one, um, and so we've never won the Super Bowl. So I've always thought about which of these teams, had they made it, would have been the team that actually would have won. And so I've done this before. And so I had my rankings ready to go. And I asked you guys, if you were going to rank these five teams, not on who was the best team, but which one do you think was the most likely to actually win the Super Bowl? How would you rank them? Yep. And so I'll just list the years off here. So it started in 1987. That team lost to the Redskins in the Super Bowl or in the uh, NFC Championship game. Yep. Then we had the 98 team, which seemed like the greatest team in the history of football and lost to a a really good team, but still it was the Atlanta Falcons. It wasn't like we lost to uh, you know, a, a powerhouse classic all-time team or anything. Sure. But they were 14 and 2. Yeah, no, they were really good. Then we went two years later, made it. That's the one that was kind of the outlier. Two years later, we made it back again in 2000. <laughs> yeah. Then 2009. And then four years ago in 2017, another team that felt like the a team of destiny because the team. Super Bowl was hosted in Minneapolis. It's like, okay, well, this is the team that goes. This is it. Yep. So of those five, how would you rank them as likeliest to win the Super Bowl had they made it? given the quality of the team, the opponent they would have played, and just the circumstances of where they were at at that time. So I'll go last since I asked it. Um, I can can go first. Go ahead. ahead, I actually had, um, I'll I'll go from bottom up. So the team that I thought had the least chance actually would have been 2017, even though they were at home. I just didn't think that, uh, you know, they had, they did have Case Keenum. I mean, he was good that year, but I don't think that, uh, you know, you look at all the other teams and everything, I don't think they were as complete as some of the other teams. Uh, the next one was the 2000 team, the uh, team that lost 41 Donut to the Giants. Um, the which, one that wasn't really the uh, just the heartbreaker. I mean, I guess the Eagles game wasn't. It was a blowout too, but still. Well, right, that's what right. I'm saying. They all, they all went one of two ways because these two – were huge blowouts like the game was over immediately well the other not three... the 2017 team we went down and led the game right away yeah well, yeah it was like you thought hey we're going after, yeah, the, after like, the first oh God, drive right but still like it was uh, like by the end of the first quarter we knew we were cooked right you right. know and that's but, the thing uh, is the other three are heartbreaking those two are just depressing blowouts yes you know yeah so yeah, and then I had the 1987 team. Um, 
you know, I don't remember a ton of about that team as much as I do the other ones. But I can tell you anything you want to know. I'm sure you could. But <laughs> I, uh, I've I've got a few notes on this one. So then you get to the close ones. So it's 2009 versus 1998, and um, I actually had uh, 98 as being the next one to be. Uh, I, I think because of the opponent, the Broncos were great. I don't, I don't know that we would have beat them and we were injured. I probably would, if we had been totally healthy, our, our defense was totally decimated after that, uh, Falcons game. Yep, you know. Um, and I think that if they would have been healthy, maybe they would have beat the Broncos, but the Broncos were pretty damn good that they year. Were equally so. as awesome as we were really. Right, yeah. right. And they had just I, won it the year before, so they were no slouch. Yes, yes. Um, and I just remember thinking, watching the Super Bowl, the Saints versus the Colts, we would have destroyed the Colts, I think. Um, the, the, the 2009 team would have uh, easily won that game because we, were, we proved by going into overtime and we really should have beaten New Orleans at New Orleans um, that we were at least as equal and the Saints pretty much decimated them too. Um, we would have we would have killed the Colts, so that's why I had the 2009 team as um, as the top on this question. So it killed me to do it, but I have the same order you do, and it just killed me not to put the '98 Vikings one. The exact same I know order. it was hard. It was hard. Exact same order, and I'll tell you why I have the same order. So well, mine is so very what, different, so that'll be good. So so the 2017 Vikings. The reason I have them as five. Um, has everything to do with who they would have played. And just, like, to me, this is just a, a feel thing of we would have been hosting the game at home, but we would have been playing a completely professional team in the Patriots. And I just think we would have, between Case Keenum being our quarterback and everything else, something bad would have happened, and they would have they would have just won through sheer experience. Now, what I will say about that team, and this is the one thing that blows me away, because I was like, well, so how, you know, we were 13 and three that year. Like how close were we to, to home field advantage? Do you guys know that the three losses we had that year, two of them were in the first four weeks? Yeah, we were two and two. Yeah. So we and then lost they won the eight games Steelers. in a row. Yeah, we lost to the Steelers in Keenum's first start. And we lost to the Lions 14-7 in that game where Dalvin tore his ACL. Yeah. And and our first game win of the year was and Keenum wasn't the quarterback yet. I mean that they just got better and better and better as the year yeah, went well, back. And we and rolled. I remember thinking, oh great, Kate, Keenum's our starter now. Season's over, you know. When I, I agree. And it all turned I, around. It was against the Bears on a Monday night where Bradford played the first half, and it was just yeah. a disaster. And it's like you couldn't believe he even made it to halftime. They finally yeah. made the switch. And Keenum did just enough, but they don't win at Chicago very often. And that's the game. And then they beat the Packers the next week. And it's like, okay, we, yeah, we got now we're rolling. Here. And and that's the thing is to start two and two and finish 13 and three yeah. with him as a as a quarterback, I just was amazed. But but again, they're five for me because it has everything to do with they would have run into a seasoned New England team but and we have lost. And, and we have Case Keenum at quarterback. That, that it, it, that's just that's why New England now, lost to Nick Foles. But the two thousand. What's Vikings, the difference? Well, but the two thousand Vikings for me, the reason I put them at number four, and I get that this is the two thousand Ravens defense, 
But who is the quarterback that's always thrown up as the example of you don't need a good quarterback to win a Super Bowl? Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. Yeah. 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 So I would have taken my chances more so than Case Keenum going up against Bill Belichick. I agree. Uh, I think we would have given the Ravens a better game than the Giants did, but I don't. We yeah. Have no one. But but anyway, but and and that's but but that's why I put them four versus five is I don't think the opponent was as formidable. I will say the eighty-seven Vikings. There's a little case you could make here, and here's here's what I'll say. Oh, so just we were, wait, I'll make it. We were only eight and seven that year, but we beat teams that went twelve and three and thirteen and two in New Orleans and San Francisco, and we beat both of them handily. Yeah. Then we lose to Washington, ten to seventeen. Washington goes on to kick the crap out of Denver, yes. forty-two to ten. If Darren Nelson catches that pass, we are playing Denver in a game that's extremely winnable, and I think they could have done it. And they were on a roll. Now, well, I, one thing I keep: everybody always says Darren Nelson dropped and we lost. I know all that would have done is tied the tied game. The game. I know. Had we made the still. extra point, which in Vikings history, who knows? We still Blair would have had Blair to win at that time. in overtime. So <laughs> I wish he would have caught it, but it, it wasn't for the win. It was for a tie. No, I, I know, I know. But but that's the point. Is like it came down to one play that, that could have changed it all. I right? saw that play again last night, and it was a bad drop. God, that guy. It's kind of like was was Wilson rolling to the right, and it's in. Oh, the, he was like yeah, dropping so. back. I thought he was too, but he pretty much just takes. He's, he's like backpedaling and throwing, but he hits him right in the chest, and he's over by the pylon, right? Isn't he kind of falling out of bounds? Aaron Nelson on the yeah. left yeah, side, he's right? Headed towards the sideline, but he's not. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, but the only reason it can't crack crack the top three or top, you know get into the top two. It's just my utter belief in these top two teams. So the only reason I put 98 as number two, and yeah, Denver is by far the better opponent. If you don't lose, so so I think John Randall got, got hurt in that game, if I remember right. I know that Ed McDaniel got knocked out. Um, Dwayne, I think Dwayne Rudd got injured. Like, we were like a mash unit on defense. And... That year, Denver was 14 and two. We were 15 and one. And all, all, every week long, we were just, we both of us were just racking up stats. It was a collision course. Yeah. So I put 98 at number two, but it only has to do with those defensive injuries. I would have taken, I'd, I'd take my chances with that team any day. Um, 2009. I, I, especially after rewatching that game, I feel like we were so much better than the Saints. And yeah, the Saints beat the Colts pretty easily, 31-17. So that's where I got it. Okay, so you guys were 100% the same, but I have a very different list. So I had 2,000 as the least likely, and that was an easy, easy choice for me because that was by far the worst team. They had a lot of skill position, good players still, but the defense... I don't know if you remember. The defense was atrocious. Our, our defensive yeah. backs. Well, that's why Kerry Collins lit us up for 41 <laughs> points. They were so lucky to even get there because they got off to that great start. And then they just got boat raced at the end of the year by the Colts and the Rams and the Packers. They were lucky enough to hang on to a first round bye. And then 
the Saints beat the Rams in a surprise, and we got the Saints. Right. Which was, a, was a, you know, they weren't as good, and we beat them. It was them. lucky. So, and the Ravens were just, that was a team. Nobody was beating the Ravens. I do think we would have given them a better game, but their defense would have gotten ahead of these guys, and our off, and our well, defense was just so bad. The they Ravens, weren't championship so, caliber at all. I will say the Ravens were lucky to get into the Super Bowl because Tony Saragusa body, you know, basically body slammed Rich Gannon out of the game early, and the and the Raiders almost beat them. And there was a there was a rule change because of that. You couldn't body slam. That. So I mean, and like I said, I like I said, had we gotten there, who knows? But our defense was a joke. Yeah, so that was easy for me. Okay, here's where you're gonna. You guys are going to not like this, but I had 98 as number four. Wow. But that has nothing to do with that team. Yeah. They were the sexiest team, but the defense wasn't as good as some of these other defenses. It was going to be outdoors on grass in Miami. They were completely decimated by injuries. And that Broncos team was just, they were, they were, they were really good. We were. Yeah. So I just feel like, I feel like, yeah, they were a great team, and everybody loves the 98 Vikings. I don't think they would have won that game, though. I had 2017 as third because I felt like that was a team of destiny, and the fact that the game was at home was just, that was the thing. We were going to get there, and we were going to win. It was just clear in my head. And the Patriots did lose, and they lost to a backup quarterback named Nick Foles. Yeah, that's true. So. I don't think I don't know if they would have won. It would have been a good game, just like the Patriots Eagles game was. But I actually think they had a good chance to win that game. I, at number two, I had the 2009 team, just because I think they were flat out better than the Colts. Like you guys Ooh. said, I think they're just better than the Colts. Baby seals. But I think the Colts were still a good team and had Peyton Manning. So, you know, they were. Maybe they could have played with us, and who knows? You make that one big mistake or fumble, like Adrian Peterson fumbles, and who knows? Number one, 87. And to me, if you look at the whole... First of all, neither one of you mentioned the strike. Why were they 8-7? and seven? Because they lost three games in the strike because they didn't try to field a real team. Right. They were 8-4. and four. They beat a bunch of good teams. They completely dominated the Saints and the 49ers on the road. Um... Who had the two best records in the NFC, yeah. by the way. And that was they were, in the same, they were in the same division, but they had the number one and number two records. Yep. I feel like because of the strike, that was a criminally underrated team, an underappreciated team, because everybody talked about how they backed into the playoffs because they, they lost a game to the Redskins at home late in the year, and they needed the Cardinals to lose the next day to make the playoffs, and they did. I remember that. But that's all because of the strike losses. Yeah. So, and then, but the thing is, this is why I think they were the best chance to win. From 1985, 84, through until the Broncos beat the Packers, the NFC won every single Super Bowl, and it was the most complete domination. The conferences weren't even close. The Broncos were not very good. Yeah. And the, and the, uh, the Redskins proved that. And this was a good team with a great defense. And I feel like, that team would have won it, and they would have won it easily. I think 2009 would have also won it pretty easily. But I, uh, my heart will always be with that 87 team. And 
Well, they missed their chance because yeah, then they would have won the World the next Series two years. and the well, Super Bowl. The same but they year. couldn't get past the 49ers the next two years. And the year well, they we, did, they blew it. We talked about this when we talked about 91 sports and the Twins making it to the World Series twice and everything. Between this 87 team and those two Twins teams, I just thought, man, Minnesota's like clutch city. We get yep. into the playoffs. We roll. <laughs> you know, win a and, bunch of games. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. So – I uh, it, I just think it's int- because, you know, the, the obvious answer for fans that don't think much about it would be 98 because, yeah. I mean, everybody loves the 98 team. They, they set the record for points, Randy Moss, this and that. But if you actually look at the other circumstances, I don't think that team was probably going to win that Super Bowl. Yeah, I I get your logic here. I just have such a belief in that team, though. So, so. Anyway, it's good that we had different lists. Yes. (laughs) Good show, guys. I think we'll uh, wrap it up unless you have anything to add. Nothing else. I hope you enjoyed this sports... uh... (laughs) Sports edition of Pop Culture Yearbook. Sports edition of Pop Culture Yearbook. There you go. (laughs) All right. We'll uh, we'll close it out with a little uh, Preacher Row for you. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. I'm scared, but there's nothing I can do